welcome to Just Bugs, an appreciation podcast for those oft-ousted creatures we humans call bugs despite their official classifications. I'm your host, Savannah, and today I have my co-host, Matt, with me. Man, third time's the charm. <laughs> barely, I barely, barely caught it. That's okay. We can't all be winners. You know, I said the thing. Yeah, you they said know. it. They know where they're at. That's what matters, right? Yeah, they're here. They're here. They're here with us. <laughs> here with us on Just Bugs. <laughs> Welcome. Yes, welcome. Today is a super exciting episode. Something I um, didn't think I would ever get to cover, and somebody requested it, so I do, and I'm so excited. Well, what is it? Tardigrades! What's a tardigrade? Oh my goodness, you don't know what a tardigrade is? I'm going to tell you all about them. But yes, this is a listener request from Jamie M., and also somebody who left a comment on one of our, um, you know... Oh, yeah, they love to comment yeah, a on or uh, like a review on Apple Podcasts, and then it vanished. Yeah, that was weird. Not sure how that worked. No, me neither. But yes, Tardigrades. Got a review from a ghost. Ooh. <laughs> so these are more commonly known as like water bears. Yeah, people love to call them water bears, sometimes moss piglets. Like moss that's piglets. So cute. <laughs> that's the best one by far. But are they bugs? Me. Uh, Nim. It's another one of those little weirdos. It's a stretch. Yeah. It's fine. But I'm so, so excited. Totally cool with it. We're covering them for sure. It's our podcast. We can cover whatever we want. Yeah. Somebody asked for it. Therefore, yeah. it's bug. Yeah. <laughs> so before we get into the episode, I do actually have a totally separate non-bug related announcement. You do? I do. Uh, we're pregnant. Yay. Yay. Cute little like happy noises. <laughs> very very pregnant actually super pregnant yeah actually i'm doing five days <laughs> so i thought i should let you guys know we're having a little bug of our own oh that's so exciting i'm i can't wait i've always wanted to be a faja and Fasha. now i <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but basically what this means other than extra happiness on our end is that there might be some gaps in episodes or like that we might have a little break we're gonna try episodes. real hard not to but you know, life is, we've never had a baby before, so <laughs> it might might get away from us a little bit. Um, but we are trying to get some episodes pre-recorded for you guys, and then I'll try my best to kind of manage something so we can hopefully not have too big of a gap if we have one for you. Yeah, we just appreciate your guys' uh, patience and... Uh, and yay! Yeah. And yes! Yay! Yay! <laughs> yay! Baby! <laughs> But yes, back to tardigrades. So the scientific classification is a little different with this one because it's one of those little weirdos. So we're going to go based on the phylum, which is tardigrada. Tardigrada. They're their own thing. Tardigrades. Yay. I like it. Oh, man. They're I have their so own. That's, that's kind of unique, huh? Yeah. They we don't get one of phylum. those every now and then. Yeah. We've done like a couple, but very infrequently. Hmm. So they are invertebrates, but they're not arthropods. They're related to arthropods and nematodes, actually, which is pretty interesting because we've been talking a lot about nematodes lately. But yeah, they're their own little weirdos in their own little group. And there's more than 1,100 species. As we mentioned up top, they often go by water bears or moss piglets. Water bears, mostly because they, they often live in like aquatic environments. And even when they don't, they prefer things pretty damp. And they also have like little claws. And they're cute, like bears. Okay, so the, I was going <laughs> to say, why bears? But yeah, looking at some pictures, they, I, I mean... They look nothing like bears. No. But they're very cute. They look like dinosaurs. Kind of, yeah. 
That's fair. They actually. they got like six legs and uh, oh, they got so many more. They got have so much time. weird looking faces they and they got claws. Have strange, strange faces. They do have claws as well. Yeah. So <laughs> the bears thing, claws, claws, bears, boom, they go together. Moss piglets is just because they hang out in moss and lichens if they are terrestrial, and um, they're chunky like a pig. And are they small? Because these pictures look like oh yes CGI almost, like how <laughs> weird they look. They are incredibly small. Their average size is 0.5 millimeters, which is 500 micrometers. And they can get up to one millimeter, which is about 0.04 of an inch. Okay, that's a little tiny. So like very small. It's about the size of like a period at the end of like a 12 point font sentence. Oh, well, I can see that. You can. So basically, you can see them with the with the naked eye, but only if you have like excellent eyesight and the perfect lighting. Mm. And even then, you're probably not going to know it's a tardigrade. Yeah, like, it's just like <laughs> a speck. Right. So primarily, they're visualized using dissecting uh, microscope, microscopes at 20 to 30 power magnification, which is what you're looking at. Actually, I think that's a, an electron microscope i'm not sure but we're gonna post some pictures to the instagram that somebody very very awesomely let us use and i'm That's so sweet. excited yeah they're really nice so pictures. excited that was a good get for me so i was like really excited but you guys will see it later and i'll give them a shot at the end of, at the end of the episode so color they are mostly transparent but they can display a couple different colors so green orange red white some colors but when you typically look at a picture of one of these on the internet it's going to be grayscale that's mostly because of microscope uh that makes sense yeah because yeah, like uh there are some varying colors but i think previous to this everything i saw was like you said gray. like gray yeah yep 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 but yeah they're they're basically transparent which is another reason it's really hard to see them mm, besides yeah, their itty help. bitty tiny size <laughs> But yes, let's talk about kind of like what they look like structurally. So they have a head and like a really short body. Their head is made up of eyes and a very odd mouth part. So they have this sucking mouth part, but it looks like something out of an old like sci-fi horror movie kind of. It works and kind of acts and looks like a vacuum hose a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And then sometimes it has little like spindly bits at the end. But yeah, it, it's a sucking mouse beats and it, it it's like literally a vacuum house. Yeah. <laughs> so that's fun. And then their body is four fused sections. Each segment has a chubby little unjointed limb at the end of it with sharp claws at the end of that. And there's actually eight legs. Each of the eight legs sits underneath the body, not at the sides. And then the claws are on the end of each of them. And they vary based on species. So some of the claws look like bear-like almost and then sometimes they look like odd hooked mess or like spindly little wiggle worms it's pretty um pretty varied but they're always they always got the claws yeah they look really cute they look um more almost more like a mammal than a than a bug, than a bug. yeah i think that's probably why they call them the bears yeah kind of like a bear i guess like vaguely a, bearish like a nightmare bear like maybe. a nightmare bear nightmare pig right yeah yeah see you're getting there yeah it's, <laughs> it's definitely interesting i've never seen anything that looked like it before yeah they're very unique so one other thing that's pretty unique about them is their hindmost legs so like the very back pair of legs are in a separate configuration so they don't sit underneath instead they sit like backwards and no other animals really do this and they function not to walk but instead for like 
acrobatics and grabbing onto stuff. Yeah, that's why I was like, every picture, you can't see the back legs at all. They're kicking it in the back. I see. Yeah. Yes. So they also have some, some interesting things going on internally. Their body has a very similar structure to some other animals. Uh, specifically, they have a hemo... Coceal, I think is what it's called, a body cavity like an insect does. So that just means that it's like open in there and it allows all of the cells to interact with each other in nutrient and gas exchange. They don't really need like a circulatory or a respiratory system. So they don't really have organs. It's just kind of like a... Sort of. So they do actually have some organs. They have a brain and a paired nervous system. And they also have an element, an alimentary canal, which is like mouth to 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 back to the back front to back yep so this includes their <laughs> mouth parts the pharynx esophagus stomach intestines and their oh, okay yeah so just a tube i see <laughs> yeah. okay well then it's not that not complex but you're just saying a lot of their body functions are through just passive exchange kind of yeah so like they have so a lot of insects have like spiracles and trachea and like yeah, they have true. like a respiratory system this doesn't have that but it does have some things that insects have and then it also has some things that other things have like an elementary canal interesting yeah they're very unique very very interesting little guys they do have like a really well-developed musculatory system so like they've got muscles throughout their whole body and they work really well. And then they have only one gonad, which I thought was strange. What's a gonad? <laughs> it's um, it's a reproductive organ. Only one. Just the one. Is yeah. That, yeah. They look real squishy. They do squishy. seem really, uh, yeah, like you said, like squishy. And then they also look kind of like they're strong in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And what's interesting about the squishiness is they look really squishy, but they actually have an exoskeleton like an insect does. It's an, and it's a hard one. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It does not look like that. No, they look like you just like squeeze it. You just pieces. squish them between your fingers. <laughs> Sorry. I really like tardigrades. I'm very They're excited very about They're very cute this and weird at the same time. They're so cute. So I mentioned that they have eyes, but I was a little cagey about it. So they do have two simple eye spots that are found on the head. They're different than your typical simple eye. They actually are uh, intracerebral photoreceptors. So photoreceptors being neurons found in the retina that convert light into like electrical signals that the brain can understand. So like like eyes. So yeah, they can see sort of. Mm -hmm. And then the intracerebral being like in the brain. So like there, it's literally like a cup, like a tiny cup like pigment cell that they use as eyes. Well, I mean, as long as it works. Yeah, whatever they got to do. <laughs> <laughs> but they're only like 65 micrometers in diameter. So that's equal to one millionth of a meter. One micrometer is so like 65 millionths of a meter. <laughs> oh, wow. So extra super small. Very tiny dot. Yes. They don't have wings, which I only mentioned because a lot of times we're talking about insects or arachnids. True. But we're not here. We're talking about something totally different. They don't have any wings. And anatomical defenses is going to be a doozy. Really? Yes. So tardigrades are nearly indestructible, but not immortal. Have you ever heard the term tough as a tardigrade? No. Well, you have now, and I'm going to use it all the time. <laughs> so they're extremophiles, which means that they're organisms that can live in very extremely harsh environments or conditions. Mm -hmm. So... How resilient are they? There's actually a lot of things that make them super resilient, but this is part of why tardigrades are so interesting and people like them so much, besides their super extra cuteness. Yeah. Yes. So they can withstand extremely low temperatures, high salinity, massive amounts of pressure, 
low oxygen, and dehydration or desiccation. So terrestrial tardigrades actually have several different like states of being that occur to cope with different challenges. They've got their active state, just normal, typical tardigrade. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then they've got something called anoxibiosis, and then they've got encystment and cryptobiosis. And I'm going to break down each one of these in a lot of detail. Oh, please do. Yes, yes. So in their active state, they function super normally. They're eating, they're fighting, they're doing their thing. That's, that is what it is. Then in anoxybiosis, the tardigrade actually like puffs up like the jet puff marshmallow man. And that's due to like buildup of water inside their body. They get even fatter? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. And the reason that they do this is in response to like super low oxygen environments. So they sort of puff up full of water so that they have the oxygen that they need. And then they float around in their environment kind of haphazardly, kind of bouncing off of stuff. And then when the oxygen conditions have normalized, they release some of the water and then they go back to their normal state. Interesting. Yes. In extreme temperature fluctuation, they can go into something called encystment or assist state. What they do is they create this sort of cyst-like thing that is created by shedding their molt two times and then like staying inside of it. So two to three times of their exoskeleton molted around them. Okay, so they make like a protective layer around them. Yeah, it's like, like a, a case. blanket. A yeah. case. Yeah, yeah, like a casing that they kind of just hang out inside of until things are better. So they create this layer. It's like layered like an onion almost. Mm. Yeah. Or like and, a cake. Or like a cake. Or like a cake. <laughs> like a parfait people love those they uh then curl up inside of this little structure and they go to sleep then they utilize their fat stores and their food supplies less quickly because they're sleeping yeah it makes sense and when temperatures improve they shed the molts and they wake up interesting so they just have like kind of like a a state for every negative condition basically. they do yeah so let me get into the last one please do it is the most detailed by far <laughs> So there is another state that they'll go into called cryptobiosis. There's actually four, no, five different forms of this amazing skill that tardigrades are capable of doing, which is all of them. That's all the cryptobiosis. They can do all of it. Mm. Uh, I'll break down some of them in a lot of detail, but I didn't like list all five for you. So there are, so part of this cryptobiosis is a decline in their metabolism all the way to like point zero one percent of normal rates that's insane that's that is super insane low. that's essentially that's essentially that's like suspended dead. animation yeah yeah they're they actually do often compare it to death and then later resurrection wow yes because it's it's their functioning is almost zero <laughs> yes that's like zero energy use and therefore like almost almost forever yeah. or you can basically stay alive forever in that state right uh-huh yeah basically mm. i mean not in eternity but very long time yeah yeah so their body actually forces itself to to dry out or dehydrate and becomes like a lifeless ball that's about a third of its normal size this occurs due to terrestrial water bears actually because terrestrial water bears are actually not fully terrestrial there's something called limno-terrestrial, which means that they they live on land, but only in environments that can completely envelop them in at least a thin layer of water. So when that thin layer of water is gone, they have to cope. They, what they'll do if is the water is lost in their like mossy little homes, they desiccate along with it. And while that would typically kill any animal that needs water, 
they have coped with this desiccating method of cryptobiosis. Yeah, so they can just kind of wait until it's wet again and it, for a very long time if need be. Yes. <laughs> but it's so much more complicated than that. So <laughs> they have what is called a ton state or they, what they are called as ton when they do this. They desiccate to this tiny, tiny, tiny place and then they're called a ton instead of a tardigrade. Okay. Yes. So they lose 97% of their body moisture when they do this. And it's actually a special form of cryptobiosis called anhydrobiosis. It actually translates to life without water. Really? Yes. yes. Anhydro. Um, that makes sense. Mm -hmm, yeah. So what they do is they utilize this cryptobiosis in response to some other hazards as well. Not So not just loss of water. Okay. They can also use it if there are freezing temperatures. So we already talked about like major temperatures. They can utilize multiple different methods, methods to get around that. Oh, nice. One of them is cryptobiosis. So it protects them the same way, but in response to this different stimuli. In the ton state, they are beyond resilient. They can survive for years or even decades, kind of like what you were saying, and they can handle most hardships without damage. So the stressor, when the stressor is eliminated, they just kind of reanimate and continue to live their lives. What makes them reanimate, though? Hydration. Oh, they the just conditions like normalize. oh, they just get watered and then they're like ah. Yeah, as long as as long as the conditions go back, like as soon as the conditions go back to normal and everything's like the way it's supposed to be, they're just back. See now, I wonder if they like chew like oh, it's getting pretty dry, time to dry out, or if they just dry out I think and it's... it just like they slowly stop, and then when they get wet, they just slowly come back. Yeah, I don't think it's really a choice. I think it's like a physiological response. Yeah. But that's okay. isn't that fascinating? That is that's insane. So let me get, let me let me really drive this home for they do you. Do a ton of good stuff. Ton of interesting stuff. Oh, look at you. The I ton. messed it up. It's but okay. Yeah, you it's got okay. there. <laughs> but I really want to drive home this durability and let me tell you some of the ways that science has tested it with this ton state. And this is where I was going to say there's got to be some comes. wacky experiments. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So tardigrades in a lab were subjected to spending 8 days in a vacuum, not like your household like appliance. Yeah, your pure vacuum of space. I don't know which one's worse, a vacuum like spinning around. Or... I still think the yeah. vacuum of space is a little worse. True. Then they they were taken out of that and then spent 3 days in pure helium gas. And then we're exposed to 20 hours of negative 272 degrees Celsius, which is negative 458 degrees Fahrenheit. And when placed back into normal conditions, the tardigrade resurrected to normal state. Wait, how long were they in helium? Because that would be hilarious. <laughs> three days. Because they just like, have like a high voice for like three days. You wouldn't be able to hear it, but I <laughs> no. love that. That's great. <laughs> But yes, in a separate experiment, because there's a lot of these, I'm really gonna, I'm yeah. really gonna hit it home. Tardigrades were kept in liquid air at negative 190 degrees Celsius. What is liquid air? I don't know. That's what <laughs> it said. <laughs> uh, which is negative 310 degrees Fahrenheit for 21 months. Then they were placed back in normal conditions, and 60% of the tardigrades resurrected to normal state. Yeah, that's only 60%, but still, that's a long that's time. That's a long time, and a lot of them survived. Now, in another experiment, tardigrades in ton were exposed to dry temperatures of 150 degrees Celsius, which is 350 degrees Fahrenheit, so very, very hot. Then, when they were placed back in their normal preferred conditions, the tardigrades resurrected. They've been exposed to 40,000 kilopascals of pressure, 
ultraviolet light, radiation, ridiculous concentrations of typically lethal gases like carbon monoxide, carbon dioxide, pure nitrogen, sulfur dioxide, and they still have been brought back to life. I'm a little or I'm thinking about the temperature, like 350 degrees Fahrenheit. That's like your oven can go hotter than that. So maybe that's around their limit. Well, what what they so people there are rumors that they can't be killed because, as you can see, they're pretty resilient. Yeah. But sadly, tardigrades do have a weakness and it is excessive prolonged heat. Aha! Yes, I knew it. Yes. They were exposed to very hot water, which is a lot. It's when you're exposed to dry temperatures compared to wet, your body yeah. reacts very differently. Especially if to you're it. made of water, like if right. it's wet, probably gonna have a better chance. Yeah. So in these very hot water conditions, so 87.7 or no, 82.7 degrees Celsius, which is about 180.9 degrees Fahrenheit. So not that hot. At that temperature for at least an hour, the tardigrades don't make it anymore. They won't make it. They have a weakness. They have one if weakness. there are ever evil villains that take over the world, we know what to do. Boil them. Boil the world. <laughs> Boil the oceans. We won't make it either, but it'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, in addition to this, that not all species of tardigrades actually have all of these nearly indestructible abilities. So most marine or aquatic tardigrades didn't evolve the need for a ton state because their environments are pretty stable. Oh, yeah, they're so, wet more, more of the time. Yeah, so those that did evolve them had to adapt rapidly to changing environments like you would find in moss that's dehydrated or extreme conditions. Yeah. So, yeah, that is that is their resilience, their anatomical defenses. That's how far we made it into the episode. That is super cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah, you're, you're selling me on, the, on these pig things. So there are lots of other things that make them cool. So let's talk about everything else about tardigrades besides all their cool abilities. Hit it. So tardigrada in Latin actually means slow walker. So most very small invertebrates are very fast and kind of jolty. They dart around in their, their space kind of randomly. Tardigrades don't really do that. They move very deliberately and quite slowly. They actually kind of like bounce off of bits of debris from one to the next. And they do so at an average walking speed of 163 micrometers per second which is about half their body length per second. So it's like super slow because their body length is very little. Well, I mean, if we moved half our body length for per second, that wouldn't be terrible. I mean, it's pretty but it's slow. A, but it's a really hard comparison because we are much, 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 much bigger. And yeah. we move very differently than they do. True. Also, half of your body, it would be half of your body standing up. So it would oh. be like... A foot. Okay, so yeah. moving like a, a really <laughs> like a old person, <laughs> shuffling more like. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So interestingly, they walk kind of like insects do. So when we walk as vertebrates, and all vertebrates do walk like this, if we are changing from like walking to jogging, we change our gait. Yeah. The way that we move our body moves differently. It changes. Insects, they stay steady. No matter what speed that they're going at, their body moves in the exact same motion. I've never noticed that, but that makes so much sense. Yeah, and tardigrades do it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. I thought that was interesting too. It actually is very interesting because they're not insects, but they're semi-related to them. So how did they develop the same like locomotion? One theory states that they share a common ancestor somewhere, despite like long-standing assumptions that their taxonomy is all their own, which could have 
been a thing so long as the relation was like to fruit flies or ants, but like it's not proven and it's something that they actually think is not true. But it's a theory. It could just be a coincidence. That's the other thing. The other theory is that they just both evolved the same walking strategy because they both had to overcome the same environmental challenges, which that is called sense. convergent evolution. It's a very common thing in that. nature. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> One other way that they do get around is uh, unintentionally when they are pushed in the wind or water in their ton state. So that's the only other movement. That is that around. really moving? No, but that's but like saying I'm moving around. right now because the earth is moving. Well, but is it though? Because it's like you went to sleep and then you woke up somewhere else. I mean, if we're, if the world, if you think about the planet spinning, then yeah, that happens. I, I wake up, you I'll know, a certain amount <laughs> around the other way than I was every day. All right, dear. <laughs> hey, it's I mean, true. you're not wrong. Also, I waller in my sleep. I wake up always different than when I went to sleep. Yeah, but in the same area, in your bed. Still. I'm still moved. You're not in the kitchen, like. Well, if I sleepwalk. But you don't. <laughs> anyways, anyways. Stop poking holes in okay, my, okay, in my okay. stuff. Those who sleepwalk move like two states. Yeah. <laughs> so where are they found? Tardigrades live all over the planet. They live in damp ha habitats, so typically in water or sometimes on land, like we mentioned. And they'll live in salt water or fresh water. They're not picky. They actually can leave, live in extreme environments, like we mentioned, including Antarctica, deep sea vents, and mud volcanoes. So they live everywhere. I've heard about the deep sea vent guys. Is this, hey, is this one of them? These guys, but they're one so of, small. You know? I see. So like, also, can they live on? Do they live on other planets? I wonder. I have no idea, but it doesn't seem like totally unreasonable. Yeah. That's a big question. Anyways, <laughs> they do live on land. When they do, they live in moss or lichen, lichens, lichens, whatever, soil, leaf litter, flowering plants, sand, even sometimes sand, as long as there's enough water there for them to live, which is like a drop of water. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they need very much aside yes. from needing water. Right, they just need. They really. That's it. So just deserts, like maybe. One, yeah, well, deserts. I guess not they could favorite. wait as long as there's more one water. drop of water. Though they're good. One drop water, good. Mm. But yes, what do they eat? That is a good question. It is. A I've good been question. wondering that for a while. Here you go. I'm gonna tell you right now. Moss. Mo well. <laughs> <laughs> Most tardigrades are herbivorous, but some do have predatory natures. But those that are plant eaters do feed on things like moss by piercing the cells of the plant with something called a stylet, which is a structure very close to their mouth that works kind of like a spear. And then they suck out the contents of the cell. That's how small they are. That's so tiny. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, like uh, plant cells are like square in shape. So they just kind of like poke in and suck it out like the juice of a fruit or something. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Yeah, and then the carnivorous tardigrades feed on much smaller organisms than themselves, and they do this either by sucking on the prey like a juice box or by <laughs> by eating them whole. I love the idea of the juice box. That's <laughs> but yeah, that kind of all depends on the species of the tardigrade and the size of their prey. Yeah, that makes sense. So what eats tardigrades? Mm, something, I would assume. There are some things that do eat tardigrades. They have... A couple of frequent predators, which are amoebas, which is like a single-celled eukaryotic, eukaryotic, my bad, microorganism that spends a lot of their time kind of like crawling around. They look like slime. Yeah, I've seen pictures yeah. of them. 
And some can eat your brain. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. That's the, mostly <laughs> what I know about amoebas is that if they get in your head, it's not good. I don't know that it's all amoebas that will do that, but for sure, some. there are some amoebas that will eat your brain. Man, doesn't that kind of suck, though, to get killed by a, just a one-cell guy just yeah. barely trying to exist? He's just sliming around in there. Yeah, I don't just know. Just eating your brain. Not great. Know. Not good. Not good at all. The other thing that will eat them, one of the other things, is a nematode. Which is something they're closely related to. That I always forget what those are. Right. So a nematode is like a roundworm. Ah. Yeah. Them old roundworms. <laughs> always leaving my, my thoughts. They can also do a lot of harm in GI. They sound so much more interesting than a roundworm. Yeah. Well, nematode sounds like a cool name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> the last thing that will eat a tardigrade is another tardigrade. But only if it's big enough and it probably would need to be a different Classic, yeah. 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 Big thing, eat little thing. Exactly. So we're going to talk about reproduction. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Tardigrades, um, another really interesting thing about tardigrades, <laughs> they can either produce sexually or asexually. Not only can they do so two ways, uh, asexually or sexually, when they produce asexually, they can do so either by parthenogenesis or by self-fertilization. So that's like... Cloning or getting themselves uh, uh -huh. in a state to have more young on their correct. own. Yes, correct. Yeah. So some tardigrades are born from a female unfertilized egg through cloning, basically. Mm. And then some are hermaphroditic. So both male and female. And they can just put the sperm and the eggs together and bang, they can make, make new ones. That's super cool. Is that just part of their resilience or is that like a species to species thing? I think it's a species to species thing. Although I think some species can choose to either be sexual or asexual. Oh, very yes. cool. Yeah. But yeah, that's wild. They can just do whatever they want. Basically. Why are these guys so resilient versus everything else, which dies so easily? I have no idea, but um, just a side note, it actually is really hard to tell a male and female tardigrade apart from one another, not just because they're itty bitty, but also because, you know, they look really, really similar. The only way you can really do it is if the female is full of eggs because you can, well, well that makes you sense. can see them. Yeah, it's because it's um, like transparent. They're transparent. But also her eggs are like super big in, the com in comparison to the rest of her body. So in some cases, like the female will molt and leave the eggs behind in the molt to protect them, which is really cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, I think so too. In other instances, the eggs are kind of distributed through the aliamentary canal at the end. You mm. know, where the end part is of gotcha. the canal. The anus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, isn't that so cool? Tardigrades, man. Ugh. Yeah, this is definitely one of the most interesting ones we've had in a while. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how I knew so little about them. It just was always like a meme thing. Like, look at these water, water pig things. Yeah, yeah. That was it. But wait, there's more. More. <laughs> so they have three separate life stages: the eggs, the juveniles, and the adults. Eggs are round. And sometimes spiky all over. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I thought so too. And then when the eggs hatch, the juveniles are like tiny tardigrade adults. But in this stage, they spend time just kind of eating everything they possibly can. And they will molt between four and 12 times, depending on the species. And the final molt occurs sometimes after they're sexually mature when the female's protecting her eggs, which I have, I don't think we ever covered anything. That yeah, that's weird to point. not have finished all your molds um, and still be a full adult. But if you think about it, when we were talking about their resilience, they actually will do that 
to create that so they insistation. Can kinda, yeah, they can yeah, kind of so, do it at will. Yeah, so they can just molt for protection, mm. even, which is fascinating. Fascinating. So cool. <laughs> All right. So, yes. How long do they live? Forever, probably. <laughs> no. So, in a comfortable environment when they live just normally, they can live... A wet live, environment? Yeah. They can live three months to two and a half years, typically. If that's just like their normal state, yeah. active state. Yeah. Then, depending on the species, that's the three months to the two and a half years is depending on the species. Right, right, right. So, if they spend a lot of time in the ton state, or if they get like frozen in ice, which is another thing that they can do, um, they can live 10 to 30 years. Okay, that's a, that's a pretty long time to be frozen completely. Mm -hmm. And there is like... Um, so scientifically, they could live up to 125 years, although I don't think there's any recorded cases of that. Yeah, and that 10 to 30, I mean, if you think about it, if their normal lifespan is like three months to two years, that's like if we could live, you know, like 500 years, mm -hmm. if we could do that. That's like pretty intense. We Isn't should learn crazy? some things from them. I don't think we can just like make our bodies do things. They we'll just do dry them. ourselves out like like jerky and see if that works. Okay, right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. <laughs> So they are primarily pretty solitary. The only interactions occur during mating, which, you know, some species don't even do. So pretty much a solitary species here. Uh, as far as rarity is concerned, they are pretty common being cosmopolitan species. They're actually at very high densities in freshwater environments. So like 200, no, 25,000 per liter in some freshwater That's quite a lot. A very lot. So <laughs> as far as rarity is concerned, they're super common. They're not well, going Well, and if they were the size of the, you know, like you said, like a period, uh -huh. like you think you'd see them, but no, you're not all the time. Yeah, if you've ever looked at water, like just fresh water. I've seen it. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's a lot of stuff just like kind of floating around in there. And floating. Yeah, that's you true. You could have seen lots of tardigrades and <laughs> just not known what they that's were. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. But are they dangerous? What do you think? It doesn't seem like it. No, they're just Not to cute us. little bears. <laughs> the amoeba, though. Get those guys out of here. Yeah, those are no fun. Uh, but yes, tardigrades are pretty much no threat whatsoever, so that's great. And then as far as their environmental impact, they really just sort of serve as food for larger species. And like, like we said, those larger species are pretty small still. But then those nematodes and amoebas can also be, you know... Food for food something, for something. else. Yeah, it's a, it's a chain. It's a oh, circle. Yeah. Although I will say that amoebas and nematodes are um, mostly predators, not always so much with the prey. Really? Well, just I guess because they makes function sense. in the way that they like enter the body and then just yeah. wreak havoc. But, Oops. But depending on how big the thing is, if something is really small and the amoeba's there, maybe they go at each other. Who knows? I don't. I didn't look up amoebas. I don't know. <laughs> I did research on tardigrades. <laughs> but yeah, they are really great for science as well. So they were actually once the main model organism for studying development in animals. In animals? Animals. You know, those things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the role that they is now, that role is now filled by something a little bit better, which is actually a roundworm, a nematode. Oh, yeah. I know what those are. Yes. <laughs> But water bears were and are super great for this job because they actually have a physiologically very simple and very fast breeding cycle and their biological developmental plan is very simple as well and handled with like a lot of precision. So it's really good to study development in that kind They're of... They're easy to work with. They're very mindful. Very, 
Well, yeah, and like, well, it's just that they're, they're very structured in the way that they do things, even though they have three different ways that they can reproduce, which is just bananas. <laughs> but some species of tardigrade may even have like the same number of cells in their body from the very beginning of their life all the way till death, so around a thousand cells, which is a very, very rare occurrence in nature, and it is present in those roundworms. And talk about ma- manageable. Yeah, so that's why it's so good for science. I see. Yeah, they're very stable. That's a good word. Yeah. There we go. We got there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So cool stuff. I yes. feel like we got through all the cool stuff, but there's like two little tiny things that I have for you because most of the cool stuff was covered in their anatomical defenses. That was very interesting. So they actually may have been among the first animals to leave the ocean for terrestrial life. I was going to say like they these guys seem very like primitive. Mm-hmm. Like these are like with all that resilience level and one earth style stuff. Yep. That's right. <laughs> level one earth style. You got it. <laughs> But yeah, they are not only the most resilient quote-unquote bugs out there, they're also one of the most beloved. Yeah, they definitely have gotten a a following in recent times. Mm -hmm. Not sure how loved they were like 100 years ago, but right now they're in fashion. I don't think anybody knew about them 100 years ago. We need more shirts with them on it or something. Yeah, there's this pin on on Instagram I keep seeing that says tough as a tardigrade and it's got a tardigrade on it and I want it so bad. Oh, that's where you heard the phrase. Well, yeah, because it's the cool pin. Oh, I see. Well, like, (laughs) have you heard of this common thing? It's a phrase now. I've never heard. (laughs) No one is saying this. But it's a good phrase. It makes perfect sense. It's a good pin. Good phrase, good pin. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all I have for you on tardigrades. That was really cool. Yeah, Thank they're you for amazing. bringing me all this information about this tiny thing. You are so welcome. Thank you to Jamie M and Mysterious Other uh, Reviewer for, for, for your tardigrade Suggestion? Thing. Yeah. Question? Request? There we go. Request. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I do have a shout out that is to... At Eye of Science on Instagram, there are three separate species of tardigrades that they got very cool microscopic images of. And they're like super, super detailed microscopic images with color and everything. And they were gracious enough to let us use them. These are freaking incredible. They show like all the all the diversity and you guys should go check them out. Yeah, these are awesome pictures, and thank you so much for letting us use those. Definitely check Seriously. those out on Instagram and give them a follow. Yeah, do that, because they got all kinds of cool stuff, honestly. Yeah. Not just tardigrades. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That's the, that's the whole episode. Sweet. Send so, us home. Yeah. If you want to look at the the cool photos I was talking about, you can look at our Instagram at JustBugsPodcast on, on Instagram, uh, or you could go to their shout-out thing. Their Instagram is good too, but yeah, but ours. And then you can hit us up with a listener request like this one at justbugspodcast at gmail.com where you could also send, you know, just bug stories or pictures or cool, cool bug related stuff. Anything plus bug is fine. Yep. Anything plus bug. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) We do have a Patreon. It's at justbugs on Patreon. And there's some cool stuff on there that Matt does. And yeah, I've been doing like uh, bug comic strips on my free time. Yeah. And if you join at like any tier, we do early release episodes. Although I will say they're not always early the is in quotation. But it's they're technically available. early. <laughs> Soon We're as working on it. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it eventually. But yeah, that's uh, I think that's it. Oh, rate and review the show and tell your friends. 
Yeah, please do. I love reading the reviews and uh, I, mean, I don't know, numbers going up makes me happy for some reason. Mm. I think that we all have that in us. I think so too. <laughs> but yes, uh, preemptively, sorry for the minor absence. Hopefully it's not too long. Hopefully you guys don't even have an absence. Hopefully I'm just like, we get a couple episodes banged out early for you guys. We release them and then I can just work on slowly making an episode. So yeah, that you guys we'll, don't have a we'll try our best. Just be patient and we appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys, and wish me luck. <laughs> You're going to do great. I know it. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Well, that's it. So thank you guys so much for listening, as always. And as always, don't squish bugs. Don't squish bugs. Especially not tardigrades. No, so good you. luck trying. Yeah, good luck. Bye. <laughs> Bye.